So I'm sure you've been in the airport and you go into the bookstore looking for something just to tide you over in between flights. And that's exactly what happened about 12 years ago on a flight from the Bay Area to Connecticut. I stopped in Las Vegas and I happened upon a book and I can say without question, this book not only changed the trajectory of how I viewed my role in business, but it also completely changed my outlook on my dance partnership and my relationship with my wife. And so it is a great honor for me to be able to say that the author of the QBQ, John G. Miller, is joining me for episode 10 of Off the Floor. And I hope you get a lot out of this. I hope you pick up the book and I hope something similar can happen for you. What happens when you combine business, pop culture, and at least five analogies to ballroom dancing? You get Off the Floor, a podcast to help you get to that next step in your career or your tango. Here's our host, Chris Lionel. Okay, so we are with John G. Miller, and he is the author of a very incredible book called The QBQ, as well as a couple others, and um, so fortunate to be able to have you on the show. And John, for the few people out there that have not read your stuff, uh, why don't you give us a quick introduction of uh, who you are and what you're all about? Sure, Chris. For, for only those three people in the whole world who have never heard of me, I'll talk to just them. <laughs> QBQ, The Question Behind the Question, is the title of the book, and it really resulted in um, or from about a decade of me selling leadership and sales management kind of training. Uh, I started out in the mid-80s in Minneapolis, St. Paul at, at the age of 27, selling leadership training to executives. And I did pretty well and sold a lot of sessions. And then I sat through a lot of sessions. And I started really hearing people ask what I call incorrect questions, lousy questions. Uh, questions like, when is someone going to train me? Why can't we find good people? When, when will that department do its job right? And it took a few years, but I finally thought, you know, there's got to be a better question here. So I, one day in, in 1994, I said, what about asking the question behind the question? The phrase just came to me. And I went out and I, I shared it with a client group and it stuck. It, it, it took hold. So it quickly became the QBQ because people love acronyms. So over 20 years ago, I started teaching this idea called the QBQ. And what it immediately did for people, Chris, is allow them to practice personal accountability. So that's my core message as an author, as a speaker, personal accountability. And the reason that's so important is it's the foundation of all success. And of course, you know that because you love QBQ, you know personal accountability is critical, but that's how it all came about was 23, 24 years ago when I decided to go out and start teaching this thing called the QBQ and it just took off. Wow. And I'm sure that being so incredibly aware of personal accountability and having that be such a cornerstone of what you talk about, are you... Uh, in personal interactions, are you trying to dial down your sensitivity to people that maybe don't have personal accountability under their belts? Are you saying if I come across a whiner or a blamer or someone who plays <laughs> victim too much, I don't tell them that? Yeah. Is that tough? I mean, I could imagine. <laughs> well, here's the humor behind what you really asked. Or here's the real humor is people 
who know QBQ, know the book. They've been to our website, qbq.com. They know the message. The minute they hear a friend, a family member, or a colleague whining, complaining, and blaming, they say, hey, I have a book for you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how the message, yeah, that's how the message gets spread around, Chris, especially, quite honestly, with management. Managers will uh, pick up the book in the Nashville airport uh, fly to Chicago, you know, an hour and a quarter flight. They'll they'll have the whole book done because it's about an hour read, quick read, as you know. And they'll they'll land and they'll contact their assistant and say, "Hey, get me a dozen of these. Everybody on the team needs one." And that's how QBQ has. That's why it really took off and went kind of viral is because everybody thinks that everybody else needs more personal accountability, and that's what the book is about. So that's how it spreads. Yeah, I could definitely attest to that. I think I am the textbook example, having done the exact same thing on a flight from Las Vegas to Connecticut. And then I think we did right. the same thing and we ordered a box of them and started making it a regular part of our leadership training. Um, you know, what do you, if you had to pinpoint Thank like, you. A, oh, no problem. It, it's, has there been like a, a story from the book that you feel like resonates, you know, most frequently with the people that you talk to? Chapter one of QBQ is all about um, a server at the Rock Bottom restaurant. When I asked for Diet Coke, he said, I'm sorry, sir, don't serve Coke products, just Pepsi. And I said, no, thanks. I'll have water and lemon. And he said, great. He disappeared. He came back with my salad and my roll and my water and my lemon. And I was totally happy. And the key to this story, and I'm going to truncate it. I'm going to keep it shorter here. But the key to this story is, Every organization has so much competition for the consumer's dollar. How do we set ourselves apart? And as we write in the Outstanding book, the the book is called Outstanding, 47 Ways to Make Your Organization Exceptional. The organization, Chris, that has the extra edge, well, that comes from individuals going the extra mile. No organization in the marketplace can have that extra edge unless people named Chris and John and others say, I'm going to go the extra mile. So at the rock bottom, I asked for the Diet Coke. They don't carry it. No problem. I had water and lemon. Well, I'm enjoying my meal. Suddenly the guy returns and puts in front of me a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke. And then he takes off. I said, thanks, you know. And he, yeah, he says, you're welcome. He takes off. Well, I finally decided I better call him over and find, find out more. And so I said, I thought you didn't sell Coke products. He says, we don't. I said, well, where did this come from? He says, the grocery store around the corner. Well, it turned out he had, this is so funny, he had sent his manager to go get me a Diet Coke. (laughs) And the manager, who understands leadership, and she understands the server is her customer, she did it for him. And so here we are years later, and I run around the country raving about the rock bottom because two people decided to go the extra mile. And here's the key to that and how it ties to QBQ. Instead of the server asking, why doesn't the customer read the menu? When am I going to get more training? Why don't they pay me more? When am I going to get more coaching and a better boss? He didn't say those things. He didn't say, hey, who's supposed to be covering this area of the restaurant? Not my department, not my problem, not my job. He stopped as he was heading to the kitchen with dishes, and he said to me, hey, have you been helped, sir? I said, no, I haven't. He said, well, I will take care of you. So it was a, it's a great story of in-the-moment ownership and accountability. He owned the moment. And here I am on this interview with you, Chris, raving about a guy named Jacob at the rock bottom because he got me the Diet Coke. 
Wow. That is uh, such a classic story. What a great opener, too, for the book. Now, I think that it's really tough, you know, I think making that switch for people to to see the big picture, for someone to say, you know what, I am going to take more personal accountability. I'm going to ask, you know, better questions. Um, What do you think kind of goes into that is, do you feel like it's a process? Do you feel like people have made a quick switch? What would you recommend? Well, there's a, a number of steps to learning. And the first step is awareness. I mean, I could be a victim, play victim, be a whiner all my life and continue to do it till the day I die until one day something happens. Maybe a friend says something, maybe there's an event in my life, maybe somebody hands me the QBQ book and I suddenly become aware I have wasted a lot of days, weeks, months, and years of my life whining, complaining, and blaming. So that first step to learning is awareness. Then we need to start trying to change. And we change from the inside out by changing our thinking. So that's what QBQ does. So the next time the ball gets dropped by another human being in our world or somebody else makes a mistake, instead of saying, who made the mistake? Who dropped the ball? We say, well... I'm frustrated. What can I do right now to help solve this problem? And the next time that something in the world goes against me, uh, you know, like layoffs at my corporation or my employer, maybe I say, instead of why is this happening to me? I say, well, what can I do to figure out new ways to contribute in this world? How can I learn new skills? So change always begins with that first step of awareness. And most people who are, you know, whining and blaming a lot, they're not even aware of it. So hopefully something intervenes in their life to make them realize, you know what, there's a better path. And I believe that better path, Chris, and I know you do too, is personal accountability. And that's what the QBQ book is all about. It's it's interesting how easy it is, like you said, to make a habit of complaining or pointing the finger in another direction and how, how that just seems to postpone the learning lesson for so long. I, I'm glad that you said that. If you had to talk to a group of ballroom dancers, you know, which is essentially a large part of our audience, you know, we have people that come from all walks of life that decide that they want to take the leap and, and jump into this this hobby that is nothing like their regular day-to-day. How do you feel like we could apply the QBQ to someone who is, you could be a husband and a wife taking a dance lesson together or, or maybe a student and a teacher? Well, first of all, when it comes to dancing, I am not your guy. <laughs> we'll take care of that. Just want to make sure we're clear on that, Chris, okay? <laughs> I, I have two left feet, all right? So we're done on that discussion. I would probably tell any dancer... The same thing I would tell any married couple or any human being, hey, don't blame your partner. (laughs) (laughs) Always ask, what can I do differently? How can I improve me? What can I change about myself? How can I improve this relationship? Again, I don't know much about dancing, but if it's anything like marriage, you better be working on yourself because the minute you start blaming the other person, all you do is create anger and distrust and estrangement and you damage the relationship. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, it is. It's there's so many interesting dynamics and parallels between between partner dancing and any other partnership and you hit it on the head. It is what it it is just like marriage or relationship or or parenting. And speaking of parenting, mm-hmm. you wrote that great follow-up uh, and let's talk about about the QBQ for for parents. How does how that all come sure. about? Sure. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Well, we decided to have seven children. That became our laboratory. <laughs> we're, uh, seven? Yeah, seven. And we have eight grandchildren and a couple on the way. So we're a pretty productive crowd here in Denver, Colorado. That's where we live. <laughs> and it all came about 
because I was out teaching QBQ, you know, I started speaking on QBQ in the 90s, and I'd go out find a company like State Farm, who had me in 75 times, but who's counting? Wow. And people would come up to me, Chris. Yeah, they'd come up to me. You know, 80% of any audience has kids. So people would come up and say, oh, man, I can use this at home. And I'd say, absolutely. And then they would. But over the years, we realized moms and dads kind of wanted the QBQ framed as you know, how to use it as a mom or a dad, how to use it daily in parenting. So my wife finally, my wife and I finally wrote the book, Raising Accountable Kids, Raising Accountable Kids. You can get it at qbq.com or Amazon, whatever. And it's just simply about taking the message of personal accountability. And we add a lot of different content in there. And it just is about taking that message of accountability and applying it to being a mom or a dad so that we can raise accountable kids. And one of the core truths in the book, the whole book is really based on this statement. My child is a product of my parenting. I'm going to say that again, Chris, because it's just too important to miss. Mm -hmm. My child is a product of my parenting. What that means is it's not Hollywood. It's not President Trump. It's not Obama before him. It's not the church. It's not the youth leaders. It's not the public schools. It's not the teachers. It's not the athletic coaches. My child is a product of my parenting. And way too often moms and dads have gotten off track basically with this thinking, not my child. No, my child would never start a fight at school. My child would, would never bully anybody. My child would never do that. Well, wait a minute. If that child is doing whatever that negative behavior is, stop blaming the school and look in the mirror, mom and dad, and ask, how can I be a better parent? What can I do to learn more skills? Now, the truth is, Chris, our world influences our kids, but it's our job to make sure they are in the world and not of the world. And the world clearly today is of entitlement, victim thinking, people being offended every 10 seconds and needing a safe space. And I think it's our job to raise strong, accountable children who can make a difference in the world. And if, and if we teach them to be victims, to feel sorry for themselves, to become entitled, then we're not doing our job. And so raising accountable kids is all about building up children who understand personal accountability and live it in their own life. Wow, that's great. I wonder if you're going to do a follow-up like QBQ for millennials. <laughs> well, the QBQ is so on target for any age group, we're never going to segment it. You know, how about QBQ for old people like me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might, on my next birthday, Chris, I'm going to hit the big six zero. When did that happen? I mean, wow. like yesterday, I was 25. I was 25 yesterday, Chris. <laughs> so I'm going to hit 60 this year. Congratulations. And QBQ still works for me. Oh, thank you. I don't know about that. But QBQ still works for me, and it has worked for me all my life. Let me, and the reason I just said that last statement all my life is, let me tell you, the absolute origin of QBQ was as a salesperson back in the 80s selling training. If I went out and made a sales call, Chris, and I didn't feel it went very well, I'm going to be honest with you. A lousy salesperson would blame the customer, blame the lack of advertising, the blame of lack, the lack of marketing for the, by the company, the blame the lack of coaching. But my associate and I, back in Minneapolis in the late 80s, we would come back to our office after a sales call that we didn't felt went very well. And we would basically look at each other and say, okay, what can we do now? Mm. What can we do now? to improve our relationship with this client. And so back in the day, we would fax that client a testimonial letter or two about our training, or we would send them handwritten notes. We would do something. But the key to that little story where QBQ originated is instead of wallowing in a pity party and blaming the client, 
we just basically took charge of the situation and said, okay, what can we do to rebuild this and make this sale? All that is, is ownership and accountability. And that was really where QBQ came from. Then I started a few years later teaching clients to turn those questions around. And instead of asking, why can't I find good people? Managers need to ask, how can I be a better coach? Instead of asking, when is the CEO going to give us the vision? I need to ask, what can I do to contribute today? Instead of asking, who made the mistake? I need to ask, what can I do to solve the problem? So QBQ, personal accountability, Chris, it's a simple message, but it's a powerful message, and it applies to every age group, that's for sure. Definitely. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like that concept, to be able to sit in that room with your your sales partner and ask those questions, do you feel like did that come from a collaborative, you know, conversation between the two of you? Do you feel like, was there any influence like through, you know, playing on your high school football team or something where, where maybe sure. that might've been instilled? Well, each of us is really a, a sum of our experiences. So I was raised in Ithaca, New York by a, a father who was both a Christian pastor for 40 years. And of course, in Matthew, the book of Matthew in the New Testament, uh, Jesus says, before you remove the speck from your boss's eye, take the beam or the plank out of your own. So that's all about personal accountability. Instead of you taking, you know, before you try to take the speck out of your wife's eye, remove the beam from your own. So that's a core message of looking in the mirror. So he raised me, but he also, beyond being a pastor, was the Cornell University wrestling coach, you know, Ivy League for 26 years. And he taught me in wrestling to always be good enough to beat the ref, the referee. And see, that's a that's chapter 16 in the QBQ book. And people right. love that metaphor because the referee in any sport is beyond my control. So if I lose a game or a match, if I come into the locker room blaming the officials, not, not only am I being really immature, I'm engaging in finger pointing and blame and I'll never grow. I'll never get better. So my dad taught me, you come off that mat, you lose by one point. You cannot blame the referee. Always say, what could I have done differently? So between his Christian teachings and his athletic teachings, that's what raised me. Then I got into the business world and had a couple mentors who taught me, you want to make sales? Make the calls. And so I became the best prospector my, my company had ever seen back in the 80s, Chris. I mean, I was like a madman. I sat in my office, my home office, all day long, dialing the phone. Because back then we actually used the phone. I would make 40, 50 phone calls a day. I would get hung up on. But I, would, I had a goal of setting two appointments every single day. So I always had prospects. So, and then, then, you know, 10 years later, my wife came to me and said, Johnny, I'm going to marriage counseling. Are you coming? So we went to marriage counseling and I learned a bunch of stuff there. So if you put all my life experiences together, it created a guy who just loves teaching personal accountability, which is the antithesis, a favorite word of mine, the hmm. antithesis of blame and finger pointing and victim thinking and entitlement and whining and complaining. Chris, it's not because I'm not human. I love to whine. I love to complain. <laughs> but after about 10 seconds of that, I realize I'm not solving any problem. I'm not adding any value. So I go right back to QBQ and ask these better questions. What can I do to move forward? How can I contribute? Oh, that's great. That just, when you said that, I'm just thinking of a situation 
when you're admitting that you're a human and you've written such a great work that that describes so many, you know, such a great concept. Um, I'm sure at, at some point your wife has had to steer you in the right direction, remind you that you've written the book. Can you give maybe one personal example where maybe you let the complaining meter run a little long and, and maybe you had to get steered back in the right direction? Well, you got to be kidding me, Chris. I got seven kids. You know how often I've heard this from one of my children? Uh, Dad, isn't there a QBQ here for you? <laughs> you know, they, they call me out. You know, if I complain about how the church service went on Sunday or if I gripe about, you know, someone who didn't get back to me on a phone call, whatever, uh, my wife has looked at me and she'll say, hey, you know, chapter 16, be good enough to beat the rough. <laughs> Trust me. In fact, in the Raising, get this, in the Raising Accountable Kids book, my wife actually wrote this line. John has never had an opinion he didn't share out loud. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. I, Chris, have never had an opinion I didn't share out loud. And that's been a growth area for all my life. You know, I, 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 I speak before I think. And I share way too many opinions. Almost always have an opinion on how somebody could do something better. Now, that's good. That helped me be an author. Because in the, in the outstanding book, we come up with 47 ways organizations can be better. Good thing I have opinions. But I also have to be careful I don't take that strength too far. Because if I take that strength of observing and thinking something could be better, if I take it too far, then it sounds judgmental, critical, and I'm doing a lot of complaining. And my wife will often tell me, okay, you, you've verbalized your opinion enough. Time to be quiet. Got it. Nice. That sounds like a wife that I know. Your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I like her already. Oh, man. She's the best. She is the absolute best. Yes. She's, uh, uh, for somebody, it was, it was a big, for her, it was a big eye opener. When I started applying the QBQ, I never, I didn't tell her about it. So I, I bought the book. I told mm. her I read this great book, but I didn't really kind of give her the full context. But I, I decided that I was going to try to apply it in our dance practices, where normally, if something went wrong, it was always me blaming her. And, um, and I'll never mm. forget the look on her face the first day we, when we practiced. And, um, and she said, I think this went wrong. And she was expecting, you know, you know, the, the counter strike on my part. And I said, you know, you're right, I think I probably could do that a little bit better. And the look of sheer shock <laughs> it was it was priceless and uh but really what it did was our trajectory in our dance career was really plateauing and and um and i think i you know looking back on it i really believe that it was because i wasn't taking any accountability for the for the mistakes that were taking place in our in our partnership and and so she was getting better because she was applying whatever suggestions I would make. Um, but I wasn't because I was never pointing the suggestion meter to myself. And, uh, and so I just yeah. have to thank you because you definitely, it's like I said, and oh, thanks. Yeah. It's the only business book well, just, that's ever made me a better dancer. <laughs> well, um, I'm not sure how to feel about that. <laughs> I can't dance. <laughs> but I got to I got to tell you what you just what you just said to your audience here is very powerful. And and just picture it for or apply it to any relationship. Father and son, mother and daughter, husband and wife, friend to friend, boss to staff member, colleague to colleague. Uh hey, something went wrong. Yeah, I know it did. 
I need to look at me. Mm-hmm. Wow. What would that do for our world if people first, if the, our first reaction was, you know what? I better look in the mirror, see if I could have done something better. Powerful stuff. And that's what QBQ is all about, Chris. Just personal accountability, taking ownership for my life. Love it. Okay. So I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Now it's time for rapid fire questions. Okay, so first thing, who is your, uh, your sports team of choice? Denver Broncos, Minnesota Vikings, and New York Yankees. Nice. A little smattering of every place that you've, you've been to, huh? Well, we lived in Minnesota 14 years. We're still rooting for those Vikings to win their first Super Bowl, but I don't think it'll happen while I'm alive. <laughs> they got really close. That that was such a, a miracle play yep. in, the, in the, the, the playoffs there. That was great. And I, I, I got to tell you, I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but we moved here in, to Denver in 97, and then Elway won two touched uh, two Super Bowls right after we got here. So I claim the credit for that. <laughs> nice. Okay. And now what is your, what's your comfort food? Oh, spaghetti. Absolutely. Spaghetti and meat sauce. Amen. <laughs> All right. How would you describe a perfect Sunday afternoon? Uh, laying on the couch, not being bothered by anybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. If you could give the QBQ to one famous person, who would that be? Well, that's a tough one because people who didn't like Obama wanted me to give the book to Obama. People who don't like Trump want me to send the book to Trump. Um, I don't think I have one person because that breaks the foundational tenet of QBQ. QBQ is for John Miller, the guy who wrote it. If you get something out of it, fantastic. But I will not. I will never aim the QBQ at someone else saying, hey, you need this. Now, we all need it. I know that. But personal accountability, I wrote the book for myself. That's great. Okay, final thought. If you uh, had something that you just wanted to share, final thought about, about the QBQ and about you know, something that you know, directed towards our audience, and, um, and then we'll wrap it up. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. I would say to your listeners and you and me, uh, ask yourself this question. Who have I been trying to fix? Who have I been trying to fix? Who have I been trying to change? You know, if it was my spouse, my best friend, my 20-something son who's not, as you know, doing what I think he should be doing in, in his life, whatever it is, who, whoever it is you've been trying to fix, today's the day. Let it go. You'll find great peace when you let it go. Start asking those QBQs like, how can I today change me? What can I do to be a better husband? That's the number one walk away piece of content from QBQ is people say, you know what? I've been trying to fix others. I'm done. I'm going to work on me. Fantastic. Well, this has been such a delight. I honestly have been uh, such a big, big fan and proponent of this book because it really did, like you said, that you wrote it for you. And and I felt like when I read it, I felt like you wrote it for me. And I'm sure that you've had that same type of response with a lot of your readers. And um, but it really is such a core uh, principle to uh, to where I feel like our our success is based. I don't think that we would be where we are today if I hadn't stumbled upon the book and it really just triggered something inside. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. And, uh, and thank you so much for, uh, for making the time to do this. Absolutely. Chris and your, your listeners can find me at qbq.com. You know, it's funny back in the old days when I used to give interviews, we'd give out addresses, phone numbers, you know, <laughs> fax numbers. Now it's like, 
three letters, QBQ.com. Come visit today. <laughs> That's it. I know. So if you have not picked up the book yet, you absolutely need to do this, whether you are a dancer or you just are somebody that are that's trying to, to take it to the next step in your career. It doesn't make a difference because the QBQ is a principle that can be a cornerstone in everything you're doing to try and take whatever you're doing to the next level. So thanks again, John G. Miller. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. We all have heard that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And I think the shortest distance between problems and solutions in your dance partnership or your organization or just your relationships is accountability. And I think that John G. Miller's QBQ is a textbook. It is something that you can read it over and over and over again. And literally, it's the only business or personal development book that I think can actually make you a better dancer. I think just overall it makes you an easier person to work with. So pick up the book, check out qbq.com to get more of John Miller's material. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Off the Floor.